for prologue Storm of Swords, yeah. you asked me first. Yep. My prologue, uh, my yeah, my, my prologue inductee, I guess, is going to be going to. Who the hell was I gonna give it to? Oh my word. What up, and welcome to another episode of Brotherhood Without Manners, your favorite full spoiler reread podcast of George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series. I'm Nate. Joining me as always is my brother, Zach. What is up? Dude, we're reading Storm of Swords. Oh, shit. If you have joined us before, you know that we are full spoiler. If you have not joined us, this is your only warning at the top of the episode. If you have not read the books but would like to without spoilers, leave. Come back when you're done. That being said, we're going to be reading Chet's fucking prologue, Right. Uh, Before so, we do so. Let's uh, get into some housekeeping stuff. It's been a minute since we've spoken to y'all, and it's good to catch up. How you doing? Hope you're safe. Yeah, it's but been a minute, also, but I'm back uh, in it now. Sure that. It's been a minute because Nate and I have been planning quite a lot for the upcoming read of Storm of Swords, and so... Yeah, we asked for your suggestions. You wrote them in. We took them into consideration. We've got things lined up. So be excited. We're not going to tell you what they are right now until we actually get dates solidified, but there are things that will be exciting coming forward in the future with our podcast. You asked. We listened. There you go. Which is weird, because we're the hosts. Usually you're listening to us, but look at that. It's funny how these things work. Anyway, we are reading the prologue of A Storm of Swords today. Yeah, so technically, last episode, we read, we didn't read, we did a wrap-up episode of the entire Clash of Kings book, book number two. Right. And it was fucking wonderful. It's a big book. It's a big book. You should go listen to all those episodes, or the wrap-up, if you just want the condensed version. Yeah, tying in the housekeeping stuff, this season we are also implementing even more new equipment, and so expect even better quality, less... Issues Hot damn. that we we've been aware of. We yeah. apologize for those. And season threes, this is it, people. Here we so go. So we open this book and we get a note for the first time on chronology. Yeah. So we learned the fact that the very beginning of this book doesn't so much as follow, more so overlaps the very end of a storm of swords. So we get our buddy Chet up here in the fist of the first men up here getting attacked roughly the same time as the conclusion of the Battle of Blackwater is happening and Winterfell's fallen and sacked at roughly the same time. And so... Yeah, this isn't in the future. This is all kind of simultaneous stuff. And so we open this prologue with Chet trying to get the dogs to take the scent of a bear, but it's too cold. It's too bitter cold, he thinks. Uh, Sign number one, that something fishy... The others. Something wicked this way comes. Yeah. Uh, whether or not the others bring the cold or the cold brings the others. Sort of chicken and the egg of this universe. But right. this is one of the first signs that it is bitter cold. Yeah, Colder so than it has been. With this prologue in particular, and I've noticed, you know, we, we mentioned and harped on, A, both chronology in the rest of the books. And so the fact that Martin brought it up was kind of a cool thing. And then the... The prologues being very important, as right. well as how all last book it was very prominent the the rise of magic, and so I kind of think this is the North's version of that, and so I'm going to be pointing out a lot of shit that I think is direct ties to saying there's magic here, yo, right here, yo. Yeah. So he's getting pissed at the dogs because they're not responding, and he is bitter because he believes that he should be safe and warm at Castle Black, tending to Maester Aemon. 
which if we all remember because we've read it, John basically got Chet screwed over and Sam placed in that job and Chet has never forgiven John right. for it. And so, so he hates them both. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, they're out here with the hounds hunting a bear and we are going to be finding out that... They're also plotting the murder yeah. of one. So the the dogs won't take the scent and he starts yelling at them and the black bitch there, she, she snaps at him, tries uh-huh. to bite him and I think that that's important as fuck that like yeah they seem to be aggressive but normally they're not going to bite at him and he's th- saying how they can't catch a scent I don't think that's that's wild right and I think that it's that sh- she doesn't want to go forward dude like there's something scary out there yeah, they're leave her the alone. out they're picking up on so the... yeah we start to get the plan here about the the assassination attempt but we get that he's got a group with him Lark the sisterman and small Paul and Lark's kind of bitching. He's ready to go. He's yep. he's cold. He wants some fucking fire. But Chet is pretty clear about how he wants it done, and he wants it done no differently than the way he wants it done. The old bear dies in Blaine from the Shadow Tower. Grubs and Ethan, because they are both on watch. Dywin and Bannon, the trackers. And Sam, because he has the ravens. That's all who die, and they die quiet. And Chet isn't fucking around about that point. Three brothers... Uh, 300 brothers, he starts ruminating, had ridden north to find Benjamin Stark and any sign of Waymore Royce. But as of yet, they've found nada. Yeah, they they did find the wildlings, and that's about it. Because Kedge returned the other day and Thorn Smallwood, saying that the wildlings are there, and there's a fucking lot of them. Well, yeah, they're making their way from the Frostfangs down the Milkwater now. Right, and so we know this... We knew this from John. Yeah. yeah, from John. But there's twenty to thirty thousand of them. That's a lot of fucking people, considering there's three hundred rangers right now. Yeah. Or black uh, men of the north, the wall, men of the watch. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> we also learn here that Harm of the Dog's Head is leading a van of five hundred mounted men. The rest of them move slowly, carrying literally everything they own to their name, all their worldly possessions, plus their women, children, elderly, sick. Right. It's a lot of them. Yeah, they're following the milk water, which is going to go right past the the fist. The fist. So Thorin wants to fight them. He's like, we need to attack while we can. And Malador Locke and Auden Withers, now known as Old Man Withers. Old Man Withers. They wanted a, a full retreat back to the wall. Let's get the fuck out of here. Skirt. But Thorin was like, I'm going to, no, let me, let me tell you why. And that his he starts debating for it, and Malador locks down. He sure. Agrees. Oh, okay. All right, that makes sense. Three hundred versus thirty thousand, and Mormont's right there on the cusp. So he's deciding whether or not he wants to attack or retreat. What would you do? Huh? Would you attack or retreat? I I don't know. I don't lead, man. Oh well. I, I mean, I not. I like I guess because I know that it's literally. The, well, yeah, uh, White Walkers, that retreat run, is the run. only thing yeah, to do. But that makes sense. Yeah. Never mind. Don't well, speculate. Don't uh, ask dumb questions. Whoa. Anyway. So, yeah, Sir uh, Mormont decided he wants to wait for his scouts, Jarman Buckwell and his men on the giant stair, the half-hand and Jon Snow, wherever they might be. And Chet's like, I hope they're all dead. Well, I hope Jon Snow is dead. Yeah, and we get a very vivid uh, description of it. And I wrote this down because I think this is one of the more important things that we first encounter here. 
Jon Snow lying blue and frozen on some bleak mountaintop with a wildling spear up his bastard's arse. Fuck. So, do you think that's some hardcore foreshadowing? Uh, I don't know if it's hardcore, but I think Jon Snow dead in the snow is certainly an image that we should... Do you think Martin knows that Jon Snow's going to... At this point, yeah. I think at some point. I I don't think he knows maybe the exact nature of it, but I think he has an idea of Jon dying at some point. So then the most blasphemous part of the statement that Chek then makes... Correct. He hopes his wolf is dead, too. His bloody wolf as well. For that, others take you, Chet. I'm done with you. Yeah. Fourteen brothers would be leaving this night. Chet had recruited most of them himself. The plan was Chet's, and he just in going over it, he thinks that his part is to take care of Sir Piggy. And he revels in the idea of slitting <laughs> Sam's throat wide open. And now, yeah, I think it's important because he mentioned during the first description of the plan that they have to kill Samwell because he holds the ravens. That makes a lot of sense. That actually does kind of add up for the plan. He would have killed Sam even if it wasn't Sam doing the ravens. Yeah, he hates Sam. No matter what Fuck Sam, Sam. Did. yeah. Sam is not surviving this night if Chet had his way, but on their return, he starts thinking of where the others plan on going. Lark, the sisterman, plans on returning to the sisters, and Chet thinks that's a dumb idea, but he starts thinking what his options could be. He's not going to go home because fuck his home, but he then in his head thinks he liked Crafter's lifestyle, a king in his own keep, all the wives he could ever want, and why stop at Lord? Mance Raider started as a crow and is now a king. So he's already got these images of grandeur in his head. I'm going to escape and get everything I ever wanted. Did right. I lose you? You jumped way past a bunch oh, of stuff yeah, I'm yeah. going to mention. Can, yeah, so, we can go back. Yeah, so I wanted to mention when, they, when he first announces that they're heading back, that the dogs immediately respond to that. Yeah. Which, you know, they're trained dogs. They know how to sniff stuff out, and they haven't responded to the bear. I think that those tracks were fresh, that there was a bear through here. But the the another sign that the others are the around. environmental it's effect com- of yeah, the others. Yeah, it's made it look like they're not fresh yeah, tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the dogs immediately take off. Um, he says, thinking to himself, oh, it's because I haven't fed them for three days because I'm going to be using them to set them on the horses yep. to keep it more chaotic during the execution of the plan. But, again, I think it's more that they want to get the fuck away from the direction they're heading because they can sense that there's others out there and shit's happening. Gross. Um just a slowly approaching force of right, right, but yeah, like you said, they kind of he goes through the the steps of the plan more yeah. in detail. Who's doing what specifically? And then he we kind of get to I think one of the most pivotal points of Chet's life. He recalls a girl from his village, Bessa, right, who'd laid with every boy in Hagsmire. Yet when he approached her to see if she'd laid with him, she laughed in his face. But she stopped laughing when he put his knife in her, and then and again and again and again. And from there, Walder Rivers sent him north with the Black Devil Yorin. So that's why Chet was sent to the wall, because some, right. some chick laughed at him, and For he stabbed her. And gross. Because he, 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 I mean, he assumed that she's a slut, a whore, that yeah, she's so just going to lay with whoever, yeah. and she spurned him, and that pissed him off. So he murdered So he murdered her. So can we talk about how gross it is that he idolizes Craster? Yeah. My God. Like, oh, that sounds like the life for me. What the fuck kind of 
twisted fuck are you? Yeah, and, and I like the fact that in this he refers to Yorin as the Black Devil. Like, it's it's just such an interesting worldview that Chet has. He's very angry, obviously. We don't have anybody in a POV that's as angry as Chet at. Chet is Theon, at his maybe. current circumstance, though, because even Theon was happy about more himself, angry like but... at Asha. Yeah, he was super certain, certainly happy with his own actions. Chet is pissed at where he's at and why, and that goes back to this thing with Bessa. And so he thinks that to pay for his one sweet moment, they took his whole life. His one sweet moment is was stabbing this, this chick over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. So he gets interrupted from those thoughts of his story by Small Paul Small asking Paul. if he can have the raven. Yeah. Can I? What about Mormont's bird? But his bird, though, could I have that? And they're like, fucking, dude, yeah, take the like, for bird. real? The bird, like, I think that that's, that's funny because the bird's not a stupid creature. It's a kind of important creature yeah. there. And it's that dumbass that wants it. Yeah. Like, and I kind of like Small Paul, even though he's a traitor. But I think he was just swayed I, by. Yeah, I think he was swept up in the bullshit. I don't. I, I don't, don't think he's smart enough to realize he was swindled. Yeah. No. Yeah. I agree. I think he's kind of the uh, Hodor equivalent of the Night's Watch's yeah, version right, right. of that. Um. So they arrive at the fits. Yeah. And... Uh, Chet basically tells him, "Yeah, you take the bird. Shut up about it, because they're approaching the Ring Wall now, and stop talking about our plan to fucking escape." Right. And Chet stops to sneer at fucking Sam. Yeah, the first people they see is archery with Sam and Gren Gr- and, uh, and Ed. Yeah, and Gren and Ed are yeah fucking teaching him to shoot some archery, and Sam sucks. Well, but, yeah, he misses a couple shots, but then he doesn't. But suck, then he does he nail it. it. Yeah, and I think that that's the he 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 never was surrounded by the John Snows and the Eds and Grant like his friends to right. give him that comedy. He could be decent at this stuff with putting in the proper practice. It's that it's the fucking Chets of the world and the Randall Tarleys that keep him feeling like shit and giving him the decreasing confidence to be able to even perform. So I, I didn't write any exact quotes, but basically Chet starts talking shit. And Ed steps in and shuts him way the fuck down. Yeah, just fucking completely turns but about Chet, him out. And so Chet turns and leaves, but thinks as he's walking away that he'll get to have the last laugh. And it's just... It's, it's very it, Theon. It's very Theon. He just thinks he's in control of this situation. I mean, he... And, and speaking of... By all rights, he is. Yeah, he, Like, his plan would work if, if not for... If the others for, didn't show right. up. So I also thought it was neat. I, I kind of... When he was talking about the plan and him recruiting everybody, it made me think of Corrin and picking specific members of the Night's Watch to accomplish certain tasks. Pick your squad. And these are the, the deplorables yeah. that he's going through and grabbing a hold the of. The undesirables. That yeah. are very much, again, a Theon you know, point of view because he's got that sneering, Viserys, I'm entitled. I don't know why he, above uh, amongst all those other people, feels any kind of entitlement. Right. But so he reports into Mormont about the bear and that the the dogs weren't having it. They weren't taking the scent. And Mormont's slightly disappointed, but Chet doesn't really give a fuck. He's just happy he doesn't have to report to him anymore. Yeah, this will be the last time I have to bow to that man. And so they uh, he heads out and Lark approaches him, and Lark is concerned about Paul's stupidity and suggests that they kill him. And Chet just kind of thinks to himself that Paul is much more valuable to him than this lark the sisterman right and therefore the situation is like to be reversed right. where you're gonna we're gonna and... kill you and that's the way that's yeah. gonna go so, so there's absolutely zero loyalty among this group this group all. is gonna dissolve which is where the similarities between corin's group right. 
fault. Right. Like everybody was able to be sent on a mission to die and known that they would carry it out in Corrin's group. These men are already talking about killing each other when they escape. So right. it's a huge contrast. Yeah, so he kind of just tells Lark to do his part goes, and then goes back to his own camp and starts sharpening his sword. Yeah. Um, once again, Corrin sharpens his sword when he's prepping. And I just think it's very funny because this motherfucker can't handle that nearly. Like, in any compa- – he's not even in the same conversation as – Corin, when right. it comes to the skill of wielding a sword, and here he is doing the same thing. And uh, he heads off to get something to eat, and it's at this makeshift dinner that Dywin uh, Dywin begins speaking yeah. about how quiet the woods sound. Yeah, I, I how, quoted yeah, yeah, a little bit of it. The, the woods too silent. No frogs near the river, no owls in the dark. I never heard no deader wood than this. Is this isn't the haunted woods? They're they're past that. I'm pretty sure the for, the fist of the first man's way above that, or is it in the middle of that? I don't know. The haunted forest. I think forest it's is on huge. The, I think the haunted forest is south. But of them, yeah. we've throughout the first two books just talked very highly of Dywin and his random spewings of stuff and information that he pours. Yeah, he's out. picking up on it too. And yeah, he's noticing something. But he also mentions there's no wolves neither. There was before, but no more. Where'd they go? You figure? Like he's he's realizing shit something's yeah. going on why do you where do you think the wolves went all the hmm? animals are hmm? dipping around us for some reason and as Chet's just eating by the fire he takes note of four of his men doing the same and he's kind of checking out their demeanor he notes that Dirk is kind of just chill sharpening his blade sweet Donald is all japes just kind of enjoying everything he claims right. to be the bastard of some Lannister Sawwood and Maislin are looking nervous they're as rough. fuck. Yeah, though. they're not in good shape. And Chet's like, yeah, I need to watch them because they're going to be a goddamn yeah. liability. When all of a sudden, everybody is summoned to an assembly by Mormont. He wants to speak to the Night's Watch. Yeah, so they all gather, and it's him and all the other officers. And Mormont says that they mean to march at dawn and bring the war to the wildlings. The yeah, decision man. is final he, and made. So he decided they're gonna. So Theon, uh, Theon. Was this, no, uh, uh, Thorin. Thorin Smallwood, Smallwood was the one yeah. who wanted to take. So he swayed Mormont. Right. So they have the element of surprise, and Mormont wants to attack the outskirts. He's gonna fall back, hit them, kind of pull out again, go down further up the the line of the wildlings, and just keep hitting them yeah. constantly hard. Make um, three hundred men seem at three thousand. And type so. Thing. Some of the guys shout out, you know, no, nah, this doesn't sound like a good idea. We, it sounds like we're going to die. And so Mormont's like, yo, what'd you sign up for the Night's Watch again? Yeah. Well, because you were forced to, most of them, Mormont. But he makes them say their vows. Yeah. And that's kind of an empowering thing, except... Again, it's similar to John and right, Corrin. Saying and their vows. Chet has no option but to join in and is pleased to see all his men do the same. But it's this false vow. And it, again, is that direct contrast to John and Corrin, who are saying these vows yeah, to where he's gotta, he's hold them be, resolute and not betray them. He's going to be betraying the Night's right. Watch, but he's holding his vows. These guys plan on betraying the the right. Night's Watch, but have no intention of upholding these vows that they're stating. And so Mormont sends them all to bed, essentially telling them to be prepared for the dawn. And Chet is borderline panic attack at this point. He he goes back to his tent, his area, and tries to sleep, but he's he's freaking the fuck out. He starts panicking, thinking about what's about to happen. Like, And 
is having trouble trying to sleep. Right, right. And it begins to snow. Yeah, dude. And something as little as that sends all his hopes and dreams crashing down into the dirt. Which is funny because they've been up here. Like, there's been snow on the ground. There's been cold. Like, because when John was digging, I think there was a little bit of snow. And so it's happened. But, like, right now, they're going to get fresh snow. And he breaks down why it's the worst fucking thing that could happen. That it's going to hide the when they're trying to make their escape. They're not going to be able to see roots and rocks. Right. They're going to break their fucking they legs so they can't run. and Bannon to track when there's a fresh fucking trail to follow. Right. It's just the worst case scenario for them. And the tears freeze on his face. He is that broken by this. Yes. Yeah, snow will ruin him, he says. It already fucked him once, it and his pet pig. The snow had taken it all from me, the bloody snow. And snow had ruined him once before, snow and his pet pig. And he thinks, well, at least he can still kill Sir Piggy. And this, I think, is when Chet is truly scary and violent. Because at this point, his his, uh, out is gone. And so he's ready to... I'm just going to kill them. Yeah. I'm just going to kill Samuel Tarly. And he... Knowing he's probably going to be caught. Oh, yeah, caught and killed immediately for it. But he wants some form of his plan to go off. And he was most looking forward to getting to kill Sam on his way out. So he creeps over to Sam, getting his dagger ready. And it's a really intense scene as he comes upon Sam Yeah, he's really planning how he's going to do it. You know, I'm going to come up behind him, grab him, slice his throat. Like, he's getting into detail when a horn goes off. Yep. And immediately people stir. Sam wakes, dogs bark, half the fucking camp is up. And everyone's kind of panicking, getting ready because... Boom, second Second horn blasts. And Sam begins to armor up. And he's like, Sam begins to ask Chet, was it really two blasts? And Chet, being Chet, says, yeah, it is. It's the wildlings come to kill you, sir, piggy. And uh, (laughs) a third horn sounds. Yeah. And Sam freezes, shaking. This one went on forever. They never blow three. Not for hundreds of years. Three means, and Chet cuts him off, saying, others, as he pisses his small clothes and lets out a half-sob, half-laugh. And that's where it ends. So we end the prologue of Storm of Swords with the others arriving at the Fist of the First Men. Right. And I think that's what's so important about the chronology thing that Martin mentioned. Almost as if he's saying, this is supposed to be in Clash of Kings. Right. This is like... Part of the magic. The reemergence of the magic in the world. This is something you need to see. This is the Northern's version. It's a really dark chapter. It's literally just the planning of a bunch of murders and I fleeing. I really like the ending there where he's, that's right, Tali, little piggy. Mm. You're going to die from the wildlings. Prepare to get killed. And then the third happens and he pisses himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam didn't piss his No, pants. Sam just at like was like, hold, that, they've never That was three. three. I heard yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in hundreds of thousands of years have we heard three. That means, and then, yeah, he does. And I just thought that was that he was so... Mm, I don't want to say confident because his his confidence. No, really he was did shattered at that point. He, I mean, his but plans were out the here, window. Like, done. Yeah, just everything. And that I think kind of it all solidified for him there. Like, oh shit! Yeah, yeah. My plans are not only shattered, but like everything's fucked. There's not going to be a night's watch to run from. So before we get too crazy, do you have an inductee? No. Now or is it, are we 
putting that in our small council? I would think, yeah. Oh, right. So, I, because I forget the format of our new episodes, where we've decided that we will no longer having be having the small council in the middle of the episodes. We'll be doing them at the end. Makes more sense. And that's where we are going to be including our inductees, your inductees, and some more long-winded discussion on the the chapter overall. So, yeah, I guess we'll jump over to that. Okay. Oh, that that was the beat. Yeah, thanks for joining us in the small council. What up? Um, yeah, we decided to move it to the end to not interrupt the flow, so here's where we're going to do inductees, do inductees and then really and... kind of discuss the chapter outside of the chapter itself. So, for Prologue Storm Swords, yeah. you asked me first. Yep. My, prolo- my, yeah, my, my prologue inductee, I guess, is going to be going to... Who the hell was I going to give it to? Oh, my word. I, I had it, and then I lost it. Not a... Uh... So I'm giving mine to Dolorous Ed. Ed, okay. Yeah, I just... It's really neat that... So we didn't get to see much of him, because all of the, the chapters in the North were from John's perspective so far. And so we he left early on in the, in the second book to go on the ranging with Corrin and the squad. And so it was really cool to see that when John left, Ed kind of took over as keeping Sam safe and motivated and having a friend to help him out. And I know Gren was there too, but Gren's kind of dumb himself. Yeah. So I just really like to see Ed standing up for Sam and he just shot Chet down so hard. Yeah, so Chet fast. even mentioned that like they took over the mantle for Jon Snow basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah, that was cool. Uh yeah, mine was gonna go to Sam himself, uh, just because of how unaware he is and then at the end, yeah, he handles it better than Chet does. Yeah, which but is But just funny. the fact that he was sound asleep and about to be murdered, and then all of a sudden he's up, and he starts armoring himself, because fucking wildlings, and then next thing he knows, he's experiencing something that people haven't experienced in hundreds of years, and Chet, who wants to murder him, is pissing his pants in front of him. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's just, it was an interesting look at Sam from someone else's eyes, and now nobody's going to be doing too good there, so... Those are our inductees. We did. Yeah. We have had some yeah, inductees for, a, for while. a while. You know, so I'll start off with our wonderful favorite French fry in France, Julian. He says, hello, boys. Season three. Before reading, I fell on the Jamie page and was like, Jesus, Jamie point of view chapters, which is the same reaction I had with Davos. I also figured it's... Uh, Still, point of view chapters, I don't know what that means. I'm sorry, Julian. But anyway, where the title kills the suspense of not knowing if the character was dead, I see what you mean. I got you with the <laughs> Jamie surviving there. That's okay. Anyway, back to the prologue. I loved how every line of the chapter revolves around the big treason slash mutiny preparation. Every single line and everything built is just smashed to pieces by that third blow of the horn, and that's pure genius. I even had already anticipated the mutiny being different than in the TV show, like, oh, sounds early. And that prologue just stands for the cliffhanger of season two. Very good beginning of the book. And that raven, God, an inductee. Not that asshole, Chet, that's for sure. Let's bring snow into the Brotherhood. Because it's the word the other ravens have pronounced. Because it's what saved our dear piggy's life. Because it's announcing the White Walker's arrival. And yes, it's the name of those bastards of the North. An irony Chet pointed out as snow had ruined his plans twice. Good for snow. Valar Snoweris. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Julian, for your inductee. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. And 
we'll look forward to reading your next one because you've already sent in a few for this book. So let's go on to the next one, Zach. We also got one from Karen, who Karen is way past us. So she got a season a while ago, just wanted to write them down and gave us our kind of a condensed thoughts on quite a few of them. So for the prologue, her inductee is Jon Snow. He wasn't even there, but his influence is heavily felt from Ed and Gren working with Sam, and he is currently living in Chet's mind rent-free. It was the bastard Jon Snow who had taken that from him. Chet pictured Jon Snow lying blue and frozen on some bleak mountaintop. He was the clever one. He'd been the maester Aemon for, uh... For four good years before that bastard Jon Snow had done him out of his job so he could hand it to his fat friend. So clearly not good enough of a fucking job if you got bumped from it after that long of doing it. When he killed Sam Tarly, he planned to whisper, Give my love to Lord Snow. The wind took that one, Gren said, another friend of Lord Snow's. Snow was falling. Snow would ruin everything. Snow had taken it all. Also, I really liked Chet's thoughts. On the horn, blowing. First one, just mad John might be back. Second, he's like, at least I can still kill Sam. Third, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And, uh, yeah, thank you, uh, Karen, because Jon Snow is extremely prevalent in that from Sam, Gren, and to Chet, thinking obsessively about the snow and how much the snow comes in and fucks him again. And then fucks the Night's Watch in general because it's the others. Right, so... With Chet in mind, what do you? Why do you think Martin started this book with Chet? Any reason in particular you can? Uh, uh, lens in the north. I think the dissolution, the the dissolution of the Night's Watch needs to start happening now. Yeah, and, yeah. and so Chet's a good catalyst for that. Um, but mainly, I think, like you said earlier, it's the chronology, the yeah. the overlapping of the North is coming active just as much as everywhere else in the world and dragons and such like that. So, and everything like whatnot. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, I think it's just the reemergence of magic and supernatural bullshit is happening everywhere. Chet, I is think, is great. great because it's similar in that each prologue has kind of been sketchy and dark in a way. Like Crescent was trying, related, Crescent yeah. was trying to murder Melisandre. Way more Royce and them got murdered by the others. Now it's Chet and his group planning a murder and murder of their colleagues and brothers and shit like that, and then fleeing off to live some crazy, gross craster life. And so it's an extremely dark prologue, but. To end it with the others, I think, is just saying, yeah, there's shit popping. Shit's popping in the They're north, too. Here. Um, I had a question as well, uh, but now I can't recall it. And it's just happening to me this. a lot this episode. So, yeah. Anyway, we can start handing out some socials. So yeah. That way, if you'd like to send us in your inductees, because those were our thoughts, feelings, and inductees, we can be reached via email, which is withoutmannersbrotherhood at gmail.com. We also have our Facebook group, facebook.com slash brotherhoodpodcast. Yeah. Zach is over on the Twitter uh, at Carstark92. That's Carstark with a C and two R's. And I'm on Twitter at mannerswithout. We have, what else do we have? A Patreon, patreon.com slash withoutmanners. Our website, www.brotherhoodwithout.com. 
something like that. Yeah. You know, check it out. You can find us. It's pretty cool stuff. So as we said at the top of the episode, we have really cool stuff coming. We just need to set these specific dates, and then we will start announcing those things to you. So stay tuned. Get us inductees for Jamie 1 of A Storm of Swords. A Storm of Swords. we'll be doing next. Look forward to that. Um, I think that about covers it this chapter. I think that about does it. So with that, Valor to Harris. Peace. Peace.